back to On the Block with Strick and Nate on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Happy Thursday to all of you. My name is Nate Brennan. He's the Husker Hall of Famer, nine-year NBA vet Eric Strickland. You're listening to On the Block, 93.7 The Ticket, 402-464-5685, Honda Lincoln Hotline, Starter Hammond Text Line. As always, we want to hear from you. You can also check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. If you head over to YouTube, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a share. We appreciate all of you helping us get to 2,000 subscribers. Now our goal is 3,000. As always, we are brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul, 27th and Pine Lake. Go ahead, head over there, get some ribs, chicken wings. Uh, Strick, what are you usually getting? The cobbler? I know you like the cobbler. They got I, get the, stuff, I get the catfish. Um, the catfish is, is huge. I've had the, the meatloaf. I thought that was good. The ribs are phenomenal. They fall right off the freaking bone. Basically, they will not disappoint no matter what you yeah. get at Mary Ellen's. Tell Charles and his crew that we sent you. Um, we'll head to the Honda Blinken Hotline and bring him in. Andrew Alex, 24-7 Sports, one of my old colleagues over there in the land of hokey, as we say around here. What's going on, buddy? Not much, Nathan. Not much. Just uh, enjoying what is a beautiful uh, Thursday afternoon here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And you know, always pleased to uh, be on the phone with uh, the great Eric Strickland and some other clowns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I'll go ahead and start out by asking you. We'll get into the games around the country here in a second. But the discussion of the day is, are you for the storm or are you against the storm if Nebraska beats Illinois? Oh, absolutely for the storm. Look, Brett Bielema is one of the great coaches of our time. Now, what I would worry about uh, from a safety perspective, though, is Brett Bielema's ability to get off the field (laughs) as the fans are swarming. That man, you know, he's got a lot of skills. He's got a brilliant mind. I can't imagine he's got a lot of speed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this probably is a good circuit peel him off. Yeah, big boy. I, he is a big dude. I didn't even think about that one. Again, Andrew Alex, 24-7, joining us right now. All right, Andrew, first one I got for you. We're going to start in the Big Ten, uh, and this one's a little bit intriguing to me because we'll get into this also with Strix picks later on, uh, but Ohio State's going to travel to Penn State. Penn State obviously coming off a loss. They've now dipped into the rankings outside the top ten. Ohio State beating the absolute hell out of Iowa, probably to no one's surprise, but Ohio State coming in still – over two-point touchdown favorites at 15-and-a-half. Uh, are you giving the Nittany Lions any chance in this one? Uh, no, not really, Nathan. Unfortunately, I mean, look, we thought Penn State was a team that was going to be good against the run, and then they get gashed by Michigan against the run, so that kind of dispelled that notion. Uh, Ohio State is top 25 in the nation. You know, they're getting over 200 yards per game. Uh, but say, hey, let's just say that Penn State does manage to stop the run. Well, they still have Sean Clifford, and Penn State still has – or Ohio State still has C.J. Stroud. Talk about a uh, difference in talent level. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, Penn State can maybe hang in there. They had a good showing against Minnesota, but at the end of the day, I like Ohio State to walk away with this one, 14 points or more. Yeah, I, I probably have to agree. We'll get into that again in Strix Picks. Uh, we'll stay in the Big Ten. This is a, a one that's a little bit fascinating to me because – 
a Northwestern, a team that's that's been competitive in some games, gotten blown out in some games. Their only win still on this season is Nebraska. I know a bunch of fans around here would certainly like that to change on the road against Iowa. Um, are you giving Northwestern any chance in this one? Uh, well, you know what? Northwestern isn't a team that's uh, capable of winning football games on American soil, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, they are the champions of Ireland. We can't forget that. That's true. But for for Iowa, I mean, look, this is a great defense that they have over at Iowa. Say what you will about their offense because it is uh, hard to watch. Ooh, but their defense is a you know what you think about when you think about Big Ten defense. A quarterback switch at Northwestern, they move to the sophomore. They're clearly eyeing towards the future. Poor offensive line play outside of the one guy that's like a two-time all-Big Ten tackle. But uh, ultimately, uh, as much as it might pain some of the listening audience to hear, I do think Iowa will not – have the same fate of Nebraska and end up in the lost column against Northwestern. Uh, I tell you what, it would certainly be nice for Northwestern to get one more. If Northwestern's only wins this season are Nebraska and Iowa, I would certainly be okay with that as long as it's Iowa. Uh, We'll go ahead and get out of the Big Ten because this one's a little bit fascinating around here because Kansas State, uh, despite being, uh, I believe, the 19th ranked team in the country, no, 22nd, excuse me, uh, Oklahoma State a top 10 team, and Kansas State's still favored in this one. I'm not sure the status of Adrian Martinez. I know he went out early in that game against TCU. Kansas State would ultimately lose that one. Um, This one's kind of a toss-up to me. What's kind of the analysis behind this one? Well, first of all, I know it must have pained you personally to be so (laughs) wrong, as you have been so many times before, Ah, as we sit here in October of 2022 and College Game Day is doing redemption story specials on Adrian Martinez. Yeah, that's not ideal. Put that one in the, the personal loss column for you. Yeah, right. uh, but Oklahoma State is an interesting team. And it's going to be interesting because I, I do envision this game being a shootout. But the defense that was uh, you know, so strong over the course of the last two years, it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with Martinez. Can Oklahoma be consistent in the pass team? I think they're going to need to. Kansas State, a good team against the pass so far this year. That is the main question I have there is consistency in the pass game for Spencer Sanders. I think it's going to happen. I like Oklahoma State. They remain a top 10 team. And, uh, you know, if we were talking about an 18 playoff, Oklahoma State might very well be in that conversation. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, let's let, let's let's turn to the SEC, and then also let's turn to um, just a, just a coaching. Um, there's going to be a co- coaching kind of topsy turvy. Everybody's going to be rumbling and bumbling and stumbling, right? Coming out of this offseason, I can just see it coming down the pipeline. But let's just talk about this situation real quick. Jimbo Fisher has he lost the Texas A&M uh, team? Is where do they go from here? And who do you think in the Big Ten coaches is next in line to fall or who is on the hot seat for you? Okay, so I, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I had a very enthralling debate with a good friend of me and Nathan's, uh, Thomas Anderson, better known to some as the Don, uh, big Texas A&M fan. And this was before the South Carolina game. I will yeah. preface with this. But he was trying to argue to me that No, Jimbo Fisher was not failing to meet expectations, that his tenure wasn't a disappointment so far. 
to which I said, look, like I know that Texas A&M isn't a perfect program. It doesn't necessarily have the historical caliber uh, of a school like Alabama or even a school like Texas or Oklahoma. But when they hired Jimbo Fisher years ago, five years ago, I guess at this point, the goal in getting him all of that money was that he would get Texas A&M to the point where they were consistently competing with the likes of Alabama and Georgia and making a serious push to go to the college football playoff. Now, you can make the argument, well, yes, Texas A&M has looked more competitive in those games, but it's not not about competition in those games. The goal was to get there. That's why he was, at the time, made the highest paid coach in the history of college football. Has Texas A&M... I mean, if you, because you could say, okay, well, you know, Kevin Sumlin has the same record or a slightly, maybe one game better record through X amount of games in his career than Jimbo does. Maybe that is a little bit misleading. I would say the program probably has taken some steps in the right direction. When you look at what he's done on the recruiting trail, number one recruiting class last year, that's a lot of the guys who are playing right now. Good recruiting class coming in in 2023 as well. But at the end of the day, losing to South Carolina, Losing to Appalachian State. I don't care how good Appalachian State is in the Sun Belt. You're Texas A&M. The point was to become a juggernaut. And, yes, we are five years into this thing. Five years into this operation. And Dick Saban didn't have down years five years in. Curry Smart's not having down years. This is a very down year for Texas A&M. And the fact that you are in a position where you can use – youth and inexperience as an excuse means you did something wrong somewhere around the line because year five is really when things should be rounding into form for you. So I don't think the answer is to fire Jimbo Fisher. I mean, A, it would be ridiculously expensive. And as we know in the world of college football, as Virginia Tech uh, has found out, as Nebraska certainly has found out, Firing the coach for the sake of firing the coach doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to get better. In fact, a lot of the times, statistically speaking, it does mean that things are going to get worse. But to look at Jimbo Fisher's resume right now today and call in a success and that he has achieved the goals that were laid out in front of him when he was given this position half a decade ago, to say that he's done that so far is just being intellectually dishonest to yourself and just trying to make excuses. Good point. Let's move to the NFL real quick on this last question. For me, at least, um, Matt LaFleur is is really standing behind his quarterback right now after Aaron Rodgers has literally aired and put out huge (laughs) just bubbles of of smoke of, of the mouth for dirty laundry internally there for the Packers and really calling out players. I, there's a fine line between that, but they're sticking behind them. What say you um, and do the, do the Green Bay Packers have redemption uh, on their mind? Can they come out of it? Are they going to be better through it? Or is this going to be the same thing until Aaron Rodgers leaves and that money goes off the cap? Uh, unfortunately, strict for the Green Bay Packers, I, I do think it's going to be more of the same. And I think that ultimately the situation that we are seeing in Green Bay and have seen uh, over the course of the last, I guess, two three seasons now, uh, should be taught 
as a case study in business schools around this great country because Aaron Rodgers is putting on a clinic in exactly how leaders should not behave. <laughs> mm -hmm. Criticize privately all you want, right? And I know Nathan, you know, is a big hater of Tom Brady. And Tom Brady might yell at his guys on the sideline, but Tom Brady doesn't go out in the press conferences and eviscerate the people who he works with in public to the media. What Aaron Rodgers is doing is ultimately uh, proving himself that he is not a true leader. He is not owning his own failure, but when he succeeds, he throws glitter in every direction and you know wants to act like he's got gifts to the universe. Now, Aaron Rodgers is a supreme talent, but to think that what he is doing right now uh, in the way that he is acting both publicly and privately uh, is going to contribute to the future success of this team, that what he's doing is going to help them get to their mutual goals. And obviously Green Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have come back to Green Bay to play football if you know he didn't have hope that this could be a team that could win and get to a Super Bowl and you know ultimately add to his storied resume, which a second Super Bowl would do wonders for when talking about him amongst the all-time greats. So, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers needs to get his uh, head out of his bleep, as they say. And uh, unfortunately, based on his weird actions over the course of the last few years, I, I don't envision that happening. The last, the last question I got for you, Andrew, I know that you're going to take Tennessee over Kentucky. Uh, if Tennessee can run the table, is Hendon Hooker your Heisman? And two, uh, other part of this question, I've said Virginia Tech should claim it. Do you agree with that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I give Hendon Hooker the Heisman, especially if Tennessee runs the table. Oh, yeah. God, I mean, then the numbers are there. Uh, it's, it would be the – premier player on the story of the season. Yeah. And it's so funny, Nathan. It's so funny because you and I were both there. And to some degree, uh, we drank the Kool-Aid. For those of you at uh, at home, by the way, sitting in your, your car or your office or maybe just your living room somewhere in Lincoln, Nebraska, a couple of years ago, Nathan Brendan wanted to bench Hendon Hooker as the starting <laughs> quarterback of Tennessee, or Virginia Tech, excuse me, in favor of a young man by the name of Quincy Patterson, who is now the backup quarterback at Temple. Uh, <laughs> so that's interesting and just thought I'd put that out there on the air. But, I mean, we were all, to be fair, correct into thinking that Hendon Hooker couldn't throw a football because of Justin Fuente's weird predicted outcomes offense where you actually don't have a choice of which receiver you throw to. Like the play is just predetermined for you. Yeah. So it was just, it was a nightmare. Turns out, yeah, Hendon Hooker can throw the football and he has done so magnificently well so far. I would absolutely give him the Heisman. And yeah, I'll claim it. Hendon Hooker is an alumni of Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University located in Blacksburg, mm -hmm. Virginia. That's where he got his undergraduate degree. He is gone only at the fault of, it's not because he hated the fans or the fans hated him or there was any bad blood. It was because the previous coach was a moron. And that's one thing that Hendon Hooker, his family, and anyone who has ever worn orange and maroon can agree on. I hope they bring back Hendon Hooker in a couple of years once he's in the NFL. He has an off day and he can come to Blacksburg and get the standing ovation he deserves. I certainly agree. I think that they should claim it, and I think that Hendon Hooker is more than welcome back in Blacksburg, but that guy named Justin Fuente probably not so much. Last question I got for you. we got to let you go. I know you're a busy man. Uh, Virginia Tech, they're, they're going to cover the spread. I, I, I don't think they have any chance in this one, but maybe they can cover the spread tonight. 
Uh, I kind of like that we cover the spread. I don't think they're going to win just because it's really hard to pick a team that's lost four games in a row uh, to win any game, especially against a team that's ranked. But that being <laughs> said, North Carolina State is without Devin Leary, right. who is their quarterback, who is like predicted to be one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC, maybe all college football going into the year. Now, he wasn't necessarily performing at that level, but he's certainly better than the next guy. His name is Jack Chambers. He was the starting quarterback of Charleston Southern for a couple of years Ooh. before transferring in his final season of college football. And, Ooh. you know, he really acts as what we see in college football kind of across the board, especially in the age of the transfer portal, the, you know, the fifth year insurance policy quarterback that's brought in. So the coaches don't have to rush in the future of the program uh, before he's ready to do so. Uh, so assuming that they didn't change their mind based on Jack Chambers, pretty brutal performance. I mean, Nathan, to put it in Virginia Tech fan perspective, which I'm sure no one else will understand. This guy is basically Jason Brown starting a quarterback for NC State. Like, he's not very good. They scored nine points against Syracuse. So, terrible offense versus terrible offense. Maybe this kind of game Virginia Tech can get sneaky in, right? Be careful with the football. Don't turn the ball over. You can break out one big play here or there. And that could be the difference in the game on either side. The problem is that Grant Wells throws interceptions like there's no tomorrow. And (laughs) NC State has, like, picked off more. I think they actually might lead the nation in interceptions so far this year. So that doesn't really bode well. But, you know, we'll say that 13 and a half is a lot of points. We'll say they'll cover the spread. Uh, hopefully we can just see some silver lining, something, anything to lead you to believe that they can pick up some wins in a November that consists of the juggernaut schedule that is Georgia Tech, Duke, Liberty, and UVA. <laughs> I always say there's only one fan base that's uh, going through a tougher time and possibly more sad than Nebraska, and that's probably Virginia Tech fans. But hopefully next week we're talking to you with not only a Virginia Tech win, but a Nebraska win. We got some buddies uh, coming up here to Nebraska, and I know you were here last year, and you were a good luck charm against Northwestern, so hopefully we keep that going, and we'll talk to you next week. How many Big Ten wins does Nebraska have since I was uh... – Left out there. Uh, two. So they only had the one against Northwestern last year, and then they have the two this year against Indiana and Rutgers. Were either of those wins at home? Uh, the Indiana one was, yes. Okay. So they have won a Big Ten game in Memorial Stadium since I was last there. They have. If not, and they lose this week, you might just have to start paying for my flights, radio station dimes. <laughs> we might have to start paying you come out here. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. You guys have a good one. As always, my friend. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Go All right. Red. We appreciate him as always. Always great content from him. Uh, kind of throwing a little bit of everything at him, Strick. That's just kind of what we do. Just kind of pick his brain yep. and see what he's thinking. But uh, he's pro-Storm, so that's at least another person on my side. Uh, the problem is uh, hoping Brett Bielema can get off the field. So uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see. And, and, again, Virginia Tech plays tonight against NC State. So if you guys want to support me, go ahead and watch that game because very few people probably will. Because, again, if there's one fan base that's struggling more than Nebraska. It's probably Virginia Tech. We got to take a quick break. Shootout with Strick comes out next. Your chance to win $15 of Buffalo Wings and Rings. 402-464-5685. Honda Lincoln Hotline. Give us a call. We're going to play next right here on the block.